You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Final hour of the program. That program being The Big Show in the morning. Logan Gordon and Patrick Dumas along with you. Hoping to connect with uh, Peter Labardius in just moments here. Chat a little Calgary Flames hockey. And to the surprise of no one, Lou might just happen to be in Halifax for a certain Canada-USA no. matchup tonight. It's not in there for King of Denaire? I don't think so. Okay. I think he m- probably went for the hockey. Okay. Uh, this news just coming down from the New York Rangers. They have signed Jimmy VC to a two-year contract extension. $800,000 on the AAV. Good for Jimmy. Six goals, six assists in 38 games with the Blue Shirts this year. Was he a PTO? I don't remember. I think he might have been. Good for him. But, uh, yes, 460 games uh, in his career already. He originally started with the Rangers, had a stint there. Buffalo, Toronto, Vancouver, New Jersey. Got 147 points in those 460 games. Now back with the Rangers and having some success as a bottom six forward. Uh Originally a third-round pick by the Nashville Predators in 2012. Did not sign sign with them. Yeah. But signed at a training camp as a free agent with the Rangers this year. On October 9th. So good for Jimmy VC. Yeah. That's awesome. Didn't work out the first time in New York when he was asked to be more of a top six guy. Yeah. A guy like I I remember I, him and Danny DeKaiser came out around the same time as two big undrafted or, or were drafted but didn't sign with their with their teams. And I, I those were guys that were really like, oh, dude, these guys are going to step up and be big impact players. And obviously it doesn't pan out, obviously, always that way. But I always link VC and DeKaiser together because they were two guys that kind of came into the league at the same time and didn't sign uh, with the teams that drafted them. That's an interesting one. I would not have... I don't have the same linkages. You no, I don't, I'm weird with linking things. I don't know why Jimmy VC and Danny DeKaiser are linked with me. <laughs> I don't know why. Hmm. That's an interesting one. <laughs> I could be completely off base here and say he came into the league like three years before VC did, but Danny DeKaiser, lifelong Red Wing, playing with the Toronto Marlies this year. Three games with the Marlies. Interesting. Did not know that. I had no idea. <laughs> He, uh, Danny DeKaiser was never drafted, though. Oh, he was on draft. Okay, sorry, he was on draft. He just sorry. chose. He just chose to sign with the with the, uh, Red- with oh. the Rangers. Okay, I was wondering about that because I didn't yeah. remember him being drafted. But uh, looks like yeah, him and uh, Jimmy Vc around the same time. Interesting. Uh, so two year deal for Jimmy Vc. Total dollars eight hundred thousand AAV. Per season. Still to come this hour. Really looking forward to this. You don't want to miss it. Uh, chat with Nick Lewis. Stampeders legend. Canadian Football Hall of Famer. Going to join us. 
chat about his new role with the Calgary Stampeders as the team's wide receivers coach. Stamps announcing their uh, full coaching staff yesterday, and it came with it the announcement that two longtime players were back in the fold and uh, ready to uh, return to the red and white. Lewis will, of course, be coaching the wide receivers, and Jawan Simpson, longtime middle linebacker for the Stampeders, and just a huge part uh, of their defense for so many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick's going to join us uh, here in hour three, and we'll uh, we'll chat about his new role with the team. He does have some coaching experience. You might remember uh, he coached the running backs for the BC Lions mm-hmm. during the 2019 season. So clearly coaching something that's been on his mind for a couple of years and uh, interested to talk to uh, the two-time Grey Cup champion and uh, longtime Calgary Stampeder. Yeah, I'll be. Inter- I'm, there's a couple interesting things I want to ask him about, especially about the about the receiver position in the CFL, and it is a little bit different than from down south. So there, there's a little bit more teaching and coaching that goes into it for sure. So I'm I'm interested to see uh, what Nick Lewis will bring to uh, to the Stamps receiving core uh, with with Juwan Simpson. We know what this defensive line uh, has been with the Calgary Stampeders over the over the past decade plus. Uh, he'll help Brett Monson out uh, immensely, uh, helping up that defense. And uh, you know, can't think of uh, too many guys that uh, you'd rather have coaching a defensive line than than one of the best to do it in Jawan Simpson. Yeah, it, just defensive minds, yeah. strong players, mm-hmm. great players for the Calgary organization. I've heard Dave talk about it already, saying you know, hey, Jawan was one of those guys I've been trying to get up here for a very long time to come mm-hmm. coach and. Uh, it's worked out now that he can. So uh, excited. Just uh, coming up a little bit later on, Nick Lewis will join us and chat uh, about his new role with the Calgary Stampeders coaching staff and uh, different quarterback. Jake Mayer's in there now for the Stamps. Mm-hmm. So lots of uh, interesting things to get by. Not the only CFL news that came down this week as well. Uh, the Toronto Argonauts announcing that they parted ways with wide receiver Brandon Banks that, yeah. uh, after winning the Grey Cup, the first of his career. Some wondering if perhaps this paves the way for uh, Brandon Banks to sign uh, with the Hamilton Tiger Cats and announce his retirement. That's not official yet, but uh, we'll see. It's been a, a drop off the last couple of years in yeah. production for Brandon Banks, uh, and you know, obviously, it's always tough leaving uh, the town that you know so well and spent mm-hmm. so many years in Hamilton. But yeah. he won a great cup in Toronto, and maybe it is time. Yeah, no, there was uh, there was a three year stint there uh, between 27 and 2019 where Brandon Branks was uh, maybe uh, probably easily one of the best returners in the game and one of the best receivers that that 2019 season uh, that uh, the historic season for the Tiger Cats that ultimately and it did not end in a Grey Cup, uh, but you know 1550 yards, 13 touchdowns, uh, that's an insane uh, stat there for Brandon Bra- Brandon Banks, uh, one of the greats to to play in this game. So we'll see here. Uh, back to the hockey side of things. Uh, Flames fall 3-2 to the Winnipeg Jets last night. Uh, Jacob Markstrom got the start. Nikita Zadorov's fifth. And Michael Backlund's eighth of the season. Uh, would both tie this game up for the Flames at different points. Brennan Dillon's first of the season got the scoring started in period number two. Josh Morrissey gave them a, a 2-1 lead midway through the third. And Sam Gagne's seventh. Uh, a tip-in late in the third period would wind up being the difference in this one. Flames now off for another two days. Weird scheduling right now where they'll have the one-game homestand on Friday against the New York Islanders, and then they are set to head out to the road 
and not even a traditional road trip, Dumas, where uh, they'll start in Chicago yeah. on Sunday, and then you get to hang out in St. Louis yeah. for a couple of days. We did this before. Uh, you got back-to-back games in St. Louis next mm-hmm. week. So uh, a four-game road trip coming up for the team, and that's you know always part of uh, you know the NHL schedule, but it's mm-hmm. not nearly as taxing on you having to go to four different locations. The fact that you're in St. Louis for a couple of days there should make yep. this a little easier on the Flames. Yeah, I think so too. It'll it'll be a, I think it'll be a good trip to to test this group out uh, to try and maybe get back on our like we said with the, with Wyshynski here they 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 they're gonna have trouble scoring and whatnot. So it, getting out on the road uh, will be big for this team. Um, yeah, like I, you don't want to like continue to sour on last night's uh, game and whatnot. It was the scoring isn't there right now, but. I think this is going to be a big road trip, prove it all, especially if they want to be a Pacific Division playoff team. Yeah, and I'm not, I don't even know that I'm sour. I'm not, I'm not sour on the group because of no. last night. I think that last night's a good indication of where this team has been. Mm-hmm. And that's that at times they've been the better team and haven't come out with the result. And that can be. A very frustrating thing. We heard Michael Backlund use that exact same word earlier on, and it's happened again. Daryl Sutter relayed it to the Edmonton game after the Christmas break, where, again, and we've talked about this, I think the Flames were more dominant Mm -hmm. in that Oilers game than they were last night, but it's still the same result. I think Calgary was the better team last night, and at the end of the day, they only created four high-danger chances at five-on-five, Despite out shooting the Jets by a pretty significant margin, thirty-five to twenty-five. Yeah, it's it's the it goes back to the like, well, you're getting a lot of shot volume, but how many of those shots are high quality, and how many of those have a legitimate chance uh, to get in? Like, you, you just look at the the Jets; they got bodies in front of the net to get their goals. Man, the it's just got to get back to simple, like simplify, like D to D passing, pucks to the net type stuff, guys in front. I mean, you do sometimes just have to get real down, and I hate saying the cliches in this game because that's all it is, it is sometimes. But you do have to sometimes get down to those basics and just simplify your games, and and that's what you do when teams are scoring, like not scoring. You just find the things that maybe do get you more opportunities. I know, yeah, but John, in fairness, they've yeah. done that. Yeah, right. Like last mm. night's not. No, it's not like they're scoring there two was, goals I was, a game. I was stunned at how many people last night were we're ready to jump off of the bandwagon because mm-hmm. it was like that. Yes. They have fallen out of a, a playoff spot in the Pacific uh, because of the Seattle win. It's, it's one point. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the group overall has been a winning group this year. It just hasn't come as easy at times as they had hoped. And um, you know, no one can speak to that better than uh, our next guest. And that's going down the, the Atlas pizza and sports bar guest hotline. Welcome in our flames analyst and the color voice of the Calgary Flames. It is Peter Labardius, and he's brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. And, Lou, uh, it's just kind of what we were talking about here in regards to last night's game between the Flames and the Jets. It's kind of been the story of the season for the Flames. That was their 17th one-goal loss of the season and their 24th one-goal game of the year. Uh, at different times, Daryl Sutter's team has been the better team, but they don't always come out on top in those games. No, the numbers that you just gave are pretty good evidence 
to back that particular statement up. I just think last night was one of those nights where they kind of let a decent opportunity go by. And the reason I say that, and I don't want to take anything away from the Jets, they they did a terrific job last night in terms of their work ethic. Uh, I think they got some great mileage down their lineup. And the difference for me in the game is I didn't think the Flames got enough from enough people last night in terms of the overall level of their game. And, you know, when that happens and the game comes down to, you know, a, a redirect and Sam Gagne makes a stick available at the side of the net, you know, at the other end, uh, and, and it's it's not on him in any sense of, of anything really but you know Jonathan Huberto a few minutes later has great chance to tie it in the high slot set up beautifully you know and get stopped by Hellebuck who had a really good game outside of first goal that goes through him so you know again one team was a little more opportunistic the thing I didn't love about last night for Calgary guys is I, I thought the Jets were the harder working group. Yeah, and that's something that, that Daryl Sutter's talked about, you know, a lot that his team can't be on the, the losing side of that battle lure. They're gonna lose more games than they win. I, I thought it was an interesting comparison that Daryl made in the post game media veil, comparing it to the Edmonton game that we saw just after the Christmas break, did you see it similarly to the, the head coach in that one? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. In some ways, except I actually thought that the game against Edmonton, I thought it was one of their most complete games of the whole year. Um, You know, I clearly thought they were in the driver's seat for the majority of that game. You know, the shots were reflected in that the amount of opportunities by and large were reflected in that. But, you know, again, the one thing about last night too, that was somewhat similar for me to the game against Edmonton is, you know, this, this team gets a lot of shots and shot volume is important and it's incredibly important to the coach. But, you know, even in chatting yesterday with, with Kirk Muller for the coaches show on our pregame show, what you do against Winnipeg, and we saw a lot of it in the series, you know, when Rick was coaching in Dallas, you know, the Jets made it really hard to get through the middle of the ice and anywhere inside the dots in their own zone. And, you know, at times this team hasn't probably done a good enough job getting seconds and thirds because, you know, they, they take some perimeter shots. And last night, to me, more so even than the game against Edmonton, which I thought they had more than enough quality opportunities, um, they had some in flurries where Hellebuck, for a while, I didn't think anybody was going to score on him the way he looked before he gave up the first one. But, you know, probably not, not enough seconds and thirds I just didn't think, I thought they were flat. Tyler Toffoli talked about it, you know, on the post-game show, too. Just, you know, it was a, I thought it was kind of a sleepy start in some regards. 
for both teams. Uh, Lou, uh, somebody who uh, woke up throughout the game for sure. He had uh, eight shots uh, leading the way. It was Michael Backlund also getting a goal. Was stopped on a two-on-one on a penalty kill as well. Uh, this guy, he's uh, continues to get better and better each game as this season goes on. Uh, talk about Michael Backlund's play of late, and and we we've talked about it ad nauseum of how good he's been and how uh, and what he brings to the table. Well, I mean, you know, Michael doesn't have very many bad nights. No, in terms of of the work and his reliability. You know, last night was an interesting night for him and his line. I just, you know, even on the air, I said prior to, you know, the goal that tied the game at two when he went in beautifully on on some great work in the middle of the ice by Andrew Mangiapane to win a couple of battles and then chip it ahead to Michael who made no mistake, you know, on his breakaway is he's incredibly reliable. You can trust him in all situations. Uh, he was clearly their best center. I thought he was clearly their best forward in the game last night and overall the best player. You know, the only thing for Michael sometimes is, you know, in terms of production and scoring, he doesn't score easy. So, you know, the eight shots were very, very reflective. Patrick of the guy who played, an outstanding game and was the best flame. Um, you know, there are just some times where you wish some more of those shots ended up in the back of the net, but guess what? He feels that way too. Uh, away from the flames, uh, massive game tonight uh, in Halifax between Canada and the United States, the semifinal at the world junior hockey championships and, uh, Lou, you're going to be in attendance tonight. Uh, what's your excitement level at for tonight's matchup? Well, at the present second, I'm just trying to get over the fog of, you know, getting in to the hotel room at about 8.15 this time and trying to get a little bit of shut-eye. Um, no, it's, it's you know, I can see the rink. I'm standing outside the hotel right now doing the hit, allowing my son, hopefully, to get a little more sleep himself. Uh, you know, there's signage here everywhere. They've put on an incredible show. This is this is an amazing city, and, and I'm not in the least bit surprised, especially after covering this tournament in its whole, going back to 20 years ago when, when Halifax held this tournament in 2003. Uh, these are two terrific teams. I think they're the most talented teams in the event. The rivalry has never been stronger. These teams, you know, really are not capable of playing a game at this tournament that isn't pretty memorable and, and worthwhile. Uh, you know, it's going to be it. I think it's going to be a really, really special, special night, and feel very, very fortunate. To be here in order to uh, watch it and most importantly watch it with my son who has caught the world junior bug which doesn't bother dad at all <laughs> and uh, you know it's going to be it's going to be a great experience for us over the next couple of days uh, give me one thing tonight that uh, will help Canada if they want to pick up a win against the United States well they're just going to have to do a really good job of, of checking and the United States is deep. They're fast. They have 
defense who are incredibly mobile. They get up in the rush. Um, you know, the top line of, of Cooley and Snuggerud and that group is, has been as good as any line in this tournament that doesn't, you know, feature Connor Bedard. They are a young team, but they are incredibly gifted skill-wise. So, you know, I, I feel, and yeah, I mean, Canada has great skill too, and the most skilled guy here, we know what his name is and the type of tournament that he's had. But this tournament, Logan always comes down to, do you get enough saves in big games at the right time? And how well do you as a team deal with elite level people? So check for your chances, be hard and physical on that defense. And, you know, it's somewhat the same way I feel in a sense, every time the flames go up against the Oilers and, and that is, you know, the best way to deal with the US team is, if they spend far more time in the U.S. zone with the puck than the other way around, they got a great chance to win the game. Lou, thanks for the time. Always appreciate it. I know it was a tough turnaround for you with travel and everything, but uh, enjoy the game. Enjoy some time with your son, pal, yes. and we'll, uh, we'll chat with you soon, hey? Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. There you go. Peter Labardi is our Flames analyst uh, coming down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. He's brought to you every single day by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. we got Calgary Stampeders legend and CFL Hall of Famer Nick Lewis joining the program next. Keep it locked here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Tuesday, the Calgary Stampeders announced their coaching staff for the 2023 CFL season. And it included two new additions that need no introduction in the city of Calgary. And one of them is set to join us right now. Welcome to the big show. It's Logan Gordon and Patrick Dumas along with you. And very excited this morning to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to welcome in new Calgary Stampeders wide receiver coach, Stampeders legend, and Canadian Football Hall of Famer Nick Lewis to the program this morning. Good morning, Nick. How are you, sir? Morning, morning. How's it going? We're doing great, man. Uh, congratulations on your new role with the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, I know lots of people are excited to have you back in the red and white, man. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be back. You know, um, Yeah, what a journey. It, it, it feels good, and... Um, no, I'm really excited about uh, being a part of the organization again, in official capacity. Tell us about uh, the journey to get here. You you had a coaching stint with BC a couple of years ago, and obviously you you ended your playing career with the Montreal Alouettes. But now you find yourself back with the Calgary Stampeders. How did we get here, Nick? Yeah, you know, um, I, I stepped away from from coaching, and you know, after 2019 season with the BC Lions and. Uh, everything I was doing was focused on uh, myself and my family and, and being able to position us in a, in a better position. And uh, I built my own company, um, which we'll be launching this year. And um, i got an amazing team around me um, at my company uh, that allows me the opportunity to take this opportunity 
uh, and, and get back on the sidelines and, and coach. Uh, I've always loved to coach, and I've always loved being around the game. And uh, I've trained kids for, you know, 17 years now. So, you know, this is nothing new to me as far as being able to go out and do what I do. How cool is it to be back with the, the Calgary Stampeders organization, an organization that you embodied for so many years? You've won two great cups here, Nick. Uh, Nick Lewis Nation is something that's still – you know, withstood the test of time. There's still 82 jerseys every time you go to McMahon. How nice is it to be back with the Stampeders organization? Man, shout out to the nation. It's it's awesome. <laughs> um, you know, the the logo means more than just it's it's more than a logo. It, for me, getting to Calgary at 21 years old, spending 11 years of my life in Calgary, you know, it, it meant so much to me. And at the time, it was over a third of my life I'd spent in Calgary. So. I've met the city's meant so much to me, uh, the fan base, uh, but also, you know, this is the organization that gave me my first start. Nobody knew who I was coming in in 2020, uh, 20, 2004. Uh, so to leave a legacy like I did now, it's now I'm on a different playing field and it's really to help build legacies of others. And I just want to be able to come in and do my part. And I, I think my background gives me credibility, but other than that, it's not about me. It's about it's about the young men that that wear the the helmet and the shoulder pads now, and how I can make them better and, and help them along the journey. One thing that uh, GM and head coach Dave Dickinson's talked about since the announcement has been that you and Jawan both understand and really embody what it means to be a Stampeder and the standard that comes with putting that helmet on. Can you talk to me a bit about what that means for you, especially coming in now as a coach, Nick? 100%. Uh, when I was – I just remember my first year, we didn't win very many games. Uh, but then the next year, Jermaine Copeland and, and Kenyon Rambo and, and Hank and Joff and, and those guys coming in uh, to the organization and, and being able to set a standard. Uh, and then when Huff got there in 2008, it was all about a standard of – of preparation and how we were going to go out and win games. And, and I think since 2008, they've had a 71% winning percentage. So understanding that the level of success that we've had has still come with some failures of not winning as many great cups as we would like to have. But at the same time, in the, in the regular season, we've been competitive, uh, been able to, to make it into the playoffs and, and have a chance to compete uh, for great cups, which is very exciting for the city. And, you know, just coming in with, with energy, Right, um, I'm a high energy guy. I have a lot of passion for what I do, and as you see me on the field, I was very passionate about the way I played. Now I'm passionate about people, and I'm passionate about these players and uh, and helping them win and helping the organization win consistently. How cool is it that you get to share this opportunity and come into the organization back with uh, Jawan Simpson, a guy that you played so much with here in your time in Calgary and was such a leader on that defensive side of things? It must be cool for you guys to to come back into the organization together. It, it really is. Um, you know, it's it's so hard to get jobs in the CFL. I mean, there's only nine teams. Uh, you know, I think now you're down to nine or ten jobs on a team. So you understand how hard it is to get into an organization, uh, but to go into one at the same time um, with both of our backgrounds in that community, um, you know, winning two great cups together in that community and, and being able to come back together. Uh, I, I think it just, you know, it says a lot for Dave as well to, to be able to say, you know what, let's, let's go when we're going to start something. Uh, let's, let's bring these two guys back and, 
Uh, is it? I'm excited about the opportunity to coach with him, uh, but everybody else on the coaching staff as well that I've known for so long, Mark Killam since 2005 as our strength coordinator and, you know, coming into the special teams coach and being around him and, and Brent Monson coming in early um, as video coordinator, now being the defensive coordinator and uh, all these guys that I've had such long relationships with, uh, I'm just excited to be back around. Uh, very pleased to be joined by Nick Lewis this morning, the uh, Canadian Football Hall of Famer, Calgary Stampeders legend, and now uh, wide receiver coach in the upcoming season for the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, it's Logan Gordon along with you this morning. I'm joined by uh, Patrick Dumont. Patrick, uh, Nick, congratulations on the, on the new job. Uh, you're you come Thank in, you, yeah, no problem, buddy. Uh, just you got you're coming in here with uh, Calgary. They got a good set of receivers here: Reggie Bagleton, Malik Henry. Uh, the young Phil Pot coming up as well. What, what are, you, are you excited to get uh, to work with the with the with this uh, receiving group? Do you see some similarities to uh, to where you were when you came into Calgary with uh, with this group? You know, it's it's very exciting when you see guys um, like Reggie Bagleton and, and Jalen Phil uh, that you have this this group of receivers, and, and I believe Kamar Jordan is still on the roster. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, Kamar was there on the PR. My my uh, 2012, 13, and 14, uh, for the most part, right when I was mm-hmm. there as a receiver. So I got to see him, and and we've we've had a great relationship over the last 10 years um, as well. So seeing all these young receivers, the, some of the vet receivers, and understanding of you know how we kind of transition from the guy on the field to now being the the mental um, guy that helps prepare, uh, prepare the young guys. Right, I remember in 2014, I was such a totally different player than I was in 2008 for the Grey Cup, you know, from coming back off the ankle injury and, and doing those things. So how do you still go out and compete at a high level and help the guys around you have success is the ultimate goal. And then the young guys, you know, they, they need to bring energy and they, they need to make big plays and, and, and do everything from that level. Um, and we we will be fine. I, I I just think we have such tremendous talent around there. Um, you know, Colton Hunchak, which mm-hmm. is a Calgary guy, uh, Luther. You know, yeah. I, I'm just really excited to be able to work with some of the Canadian talent, uh, but also some of the American talent that will be coming up. Now, now with the the American talent, uh, guys that are entering the CFL for their first time, uh, you know, as they continue their their journey in professional football. Uh, you know, you come up here and you look at uh, at a play. You look at the NFL. There's a lot more pre pre snap movement, a lot more movement from the from a slot. Back. There's a slot back in the CFL as well. What do you have to do as a coach to get the young guys coached up? Like they're not just on the line. There's a lot more movement. Uh, if you want to put a guy at a slot back position or something like that, what do you do as a coach uh, to teach the young guys uh, to play receiver in the CFL? You know, a lot of it is when you're young, you just you just work hard. Mm-hmm. And you work hard to get open and, and do those things. But it's, it's really about sitting the room down and understanding uh, that we're all working together. And and at the end of the day, when, when we're looking at plays, when we're going over things, it's about how we work as one unit. And if we can work really well as a unit, uh, we're going to get a lot of people open and a lot of people are going to make plays. And, yes, designed for a lot for some people to have more yards or more catches than others. But that's your commitment to the team. And, mm-hmm. and at that point, that's when you buy into what we're building together. And when you get your opportunity, you will make plays. And, um, you know, when I was there before and even now, it's next man up mentality. And, and my job is to make sure everyone's prepared to, to make the play when, it, when play comes your way. And we'll win games that way. 
uh, how is the the relationship with with Dave Dickinson uh, going forward here? Uh, obviously, bringing you in here, he's got an elevated role as well uh, as he takes over more of the GM role in, in Calgary and and whatnot. What's your relationship with with uh, with Dave? Dave, man, that relationship's always been great. Um, I remember after the 2008 Grey Cup, uh, me, him, and his wife, and uh, we sit down and at the hotel in Montreal after the game and. Uh, we were just talking about a bunch of things. I was like, Dave, are you getting into coaching? He was like, I don't know yet. <laughs> and just being able to see him go from uh, player to then coach in 2009 when he became the running back coach and then as became the offensive coordinator in 2010. And uh, just being around him, we've always had great communications during the week on the sidelines and games. Um, ever since the game's been – ever since I left Calgary, uh, we've had a great relationship um, you know, I've always texted him good luck and different things. And when we see each other, we, we have conversations and, and things like that. So uh, nothing but respect for Dave because he's done so much for the, for the game. Uh, and he's just one, he's an amazing person and, and two, amazing coach. So really looking forward to, to tapping into him and learning more of course. Uh, on this side of things and uh, bettering myself. Now you you've been uh, you've been out of the league here for a little bit. You coached last in 2019, of course, with the BC Lions. Uh, they, they they lost the year because of COVID. But uh, what is your uh, your read on the league the last couple seasons since coming out of COVID, and and obviously since you uh, since you last uh, hung up the pads? Yeah, I mean, I think the league really made a shift in 2014 uh, when they changed some rules, and it continues to. If you look at all sports, it's going towards more entertainment. Uh, yeah. You no longer have to be a tough guy to play uh, football anymore. Uh, it's really more about the fan engagement and entertainment of the sport. And I really like that aspect and, and understand that now a lot more dynamic players can play the game, right? So um, looking forward to inserting myself into this role and, and being able to help each individual athlete uh, become the, become better, right? So uh, for me, the game is still, it's still football at the end of the day, still Canadian football at the end of the day, but it's it's really exciting brand of football because of some of the ways the rules are set up uh, that allow you offensively to have some advantages. Uh, Nick, just a couple more for you. Really appreciate the time this morning. Uh, I got to ask you, what's what's Nick Lewis, the coach, like? Have you figured that out yet? Are you still sort of developing what you are as a coach? I know as a player, you talk so much about, uh, and people loved it here in Calgary, the energy and the enthusiasm you had for the game. Is that is that very similar to how you are as a coach? Hundred percent. You know, coaching in BC, I had a chance to coach uh, John White, uh, and and having him uh, in his eight-year career uh, for one year, uh, he had his only thousand-yard res- um, rushing year. Uh, Brandon Rutley, another great running back in BC that ha- averaged eighty-five yards a start. So, understanding for me, um, I played the game very cerebrally, and understanding the mental mindset uh, that you need to be consistent. It's not just about physical talent. You'll, you'll never be the same guy in year 11 that you were in year one athletically. So you still have to be able to compete at a, at a higher level mentally and understand what's going on in the field. So that's one of the aspects that I bring to the game. It's not just about your physical, um, but your, your skill set will allow you to make more plays um, at certain times of games and certain times of seasons. Uh, but mentally, we need you to be a certain level so that we can compete on a regular basis. Right. So uh, as a coach, I'm, I'm all about the, the little details. I'm all about making sure everyone is mentally attuned to what's going on. But I'm going to be passionate. I like to yell and, and do things. <laughs> but 
It's not yelling at people. I don't yell at people to cause a scene. Mm-hmm. I yell when good things happen. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm, you're going to see me running up and down the sidelines, jumping <laughs> up and down, high five and doing everything. I'm just a high energy guy. And like I said, I'm passionate about these players. I'm passionate about their careers. Uh, and I'm passionate about what I do yeah. in, in this game. And anytime you can compete at a high level, it's, it's very important. And I see coaching the same way as I see playing. I'm just competing mentally now and not physically anymore. As you look back on your career, uh, who are some of the coaches that, that you'd emulate uh, yourself as a coach? Or who are some of those guys that you look back at and say, that guy brought something and brought value to me as a player, and now I want to do that for these guys? Is there anybody that comes to mind when I ask you that, Nick? I mean, I think there's a lot of coaches that have been involved in my in my life uh, from my high school basketball coach, Lane Shelton, who, you know, was the first person that said, you know, you don't practice very hard, but in the games, like, you show up. And he's like, how good, how great can you be when nobody's watching? And I never thought about that. And, and understanding, you know, that created something in me that to, to practice better, right? And it and made a more commitment to, to myself uh, in the, you know, not just in games, but practicing and preparation and, uh, going on to, you know, John Huffnagel and his influence on me and, and Pete Costanza, who was my receiver coach for eight years, my last eight years in Calgary, and uh, just his consistency and, and being able to uh, to deal with the many personalities of me, Cope and Rambo and Romney <laughs> Bryan and, and, and those guys, right? So yeah. understanding how we were consistent in, in doing things, it's there's so many different people, and even Dave, right? So, yeah. so many different people that's been a part of my journey that I've taken a little bit from. Um, to openly, and at the end of the day, I'm just going to be me, yeah. right? I don't, the best version of me that I can be, be is, is what I'm gearing for, right? And I believe we're all on a journey to find our greatest self, and, and that's what we're doing. I, this is a very forward-looking question, and, and you mentioned you've, you've got other you know, business uh, ent- entries out there. You're, you're just getting back into coaching. But how do you see this going forward for yourself, Nick? Can you see yourself being a, a longtime coach? Is this something that you're, you're just sort of dipping your, your toes in to see how you like it? What's uh, the future kind of look like when you think about coaching? Well, I mean, coaching has always been my dream job. Okay. Um, when you're a division two walk on, you don't say, Hey, I'm going to go play pro football. Um, you, you really just take it step by step and everything I've been doing in my life was to become a coach. Uh, but the last couple of years, you know, I really chose to focus on my family and, and do those things. And, you know, we, we make decisions together and they've been very supportive of me, but, you know, even talking to Dave, we, we knew this wasn't going to be a one year deal. This is something that we're looking at going forward. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy with my life. I'm happy with what I've accomplished in the past. I'm happy where I'm at today and the opportunity that's in front of me. And, you know, for us, we're in the results business. we got to produce results. And if we produce great results, then uh, everything else will take care of itself. And, you know, I don't have to worry about uh, year to year. I know that, you know, we'll be good. And so I'm looking forward to get back in the Calgary community, um, being able to be back in helping uh, the community uh, rebuild and do the things that, that the community needs to do, uh, but also doing it on the field as well. Uh, before we let you go, Nick, uh, I got to ask you about uh, your level of excitement getting to know uh, Jake Mayer, too, as a quarterback, what you've seen from him maybe from afar the last couple of seasons. Obviously, 
big uh, shoes for him to fill as the starting quarterback here in Calgary, but you would know as much as anybody that relationship between quarterback and wide receiver is going to be so important for your group heading into the season. Yeah, you know, to me, Jake reminds me so much of Dave. Um, as a guy that's, you know, very accurate quarterback, um, doesn't go down the field very often, but has the ability to move the ball down the field. And whenever you have a, a running game uh, with Kadeem Carey and, and those guys, you're going to have great success on offense because you allow yourself to utilize the whole playbook on second down, which is which is the ultimate goal. And, and now being able to have Jake Mayer, who doesn't turn the ball over, who's going to consistently make throws, it's up to the receivers to be able to work as a unit, uh, get guys open, and, and be able to make the play. And, and I think that – that's what creates the success, and there's so much. You know, um, the fans watch the game, and they see uh, the ball go from one person to the next, uh, but we understand that there's a lot of people involved in creating that one simple success uh, together consistently. So uh, I'm excited to see what Jake does, um, to see him grow. I had a chance to meet him last year at a golf tournament, a charity golf tournament in Calgary, so uh, great dude, and you know, just looking forward to being a part of his journey as well. Uh, Nick, last one before we we say goodbye here, and I'd be remiss if I didn't get your uh, firsthand experience as a player uh, and just get your thoughts on what we saw Monday night uh, in Cincinnati with Demar Hamlin. It's uh, uh, a position that we on the outside can only imagine what a player goes through in that situation. How difficult was it for you to see what what transpired and sort of you know process that as a former player yourself? Man, it instantly brought me back to 2016 in Ottawa uh, when Jonathan Hefney went down and they had to cut his jersey and shoulder pads off and mm-hmm. his helmet to uh, to see him lay there motionless and, and not understand what's going on on the field. And then uh, for, for them, those guys on the field there in Cincinnati to, to be able to see them have to aggressively give him CPR to bring him back to life. And um, those are traumatic things, and it's very hard to – uh, compartmentalize mortality, right? We can compartmentalize concussions, broken legs, torn ACLs, um, you know, torn Achilles. We can compartmentalize those things as, hey, we'll be back in a, you know, in a month or a year, uh, those types of things. But whenever you deal with mortality, uh, that's that's something that's totally different, and it affects us all because uh, you you feel like a gladiator when you're on the field. You you know. Um, sometimes you hear players say, we're going to go to war and, and those types of things, uh, but we never really think about the loss of life. And um, when it's right there in your face like that, it's such a humbling experience to understand, you know, how, I won't even say violent, but just how the game is played and how all these little things could change the lives of so many in, in one instance. And, uh, man, my heart goes out to DeMar and his family. Um hope he continues to get better and and we'll see what happens i i look at it like you'll never be able to replay that game mm-hmm. uh, because of the time of the season uh, i also look at it as it would be such a huge disadvantage for cincinnati and buffalo heading into the playoffs if they had to make up a game and play two games in a week or, or 10 days and then have to go play a playoff game so you know just looking at the whole dynamic of how the how mentally those players are now going to be able to step back on the field after witnessing something so firsthand and be able to go out and compete again this year is going to be very challenging for them. 
Uh, Nick, really well said. Thank you for that. Uh, do appreciate your your perspective on it as a former player. I think it's so important for us who, who haven't been in that spot as a, as a professional football player mm-hmm. to to get that understanding from someone like yourself. So thank you very much for that, and thank you for the time this morning, Nick. Uh, congratulations once again. Uh, really excited to have you back in Calgary here in the red and white. I know I'm not the only one uh, that feels that way. There's been a ton of excitement since the announcement, and I uh, can't wait for you guys to get things going in the spring here, and welcome back to Calgary, Nick. Hey, I appreciate it, and like you said, I know everybody's excited. Um, I know they're they're expecting, you know, a high expectation. When I first got to Calgary, nobody knew me, so there was no expectation. Now I'm coming back in this capacity. They know who you are. Expectation. Yeah. So, hey, I'm 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 preparing daily uh, to reach those expectations and exceed those as well. So, uh, we understand the the mission, and it's time to go get it. Nick, thanks so much for the time, man. Welcome back again, and thanks for this today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Nick Lewis, uh, Canadian Football Hall of Famer and uh, Stampeders legend who has returns to the team this year mm-hmm. as the team's wide receiver coach. And uh, look, uh, there's a guy that's as competitive as anybody. Oh, yeah. Brought the energy, mm-hmm. was a, a tremendous CFLer. Um, and I know Calgary fans are, are stoked that that guy and Jawan Simpson, don't want to forget about him yeah. coming back. Uh, I think those are two massive adds to Dave Dickinson's coaching staff, and those are the ones that you're going to see make a difference for those two uh, position groups 100%. Exactly. You remember just the trash talking with Nick Lewis, uh, just the, his, his – just that guy. this guy looking at him, he's like, that. that's a CFL receiver? You wouldn't know it? But Nick Lewis, one of the greatest of all time, all-time leading CFL receiver, uh, receptions leader, uh, one of the best to ever do it, and uh, I'm so happy to see him back along the sidelines uh, where he where he belongs, right here in Calgary. Yeah, uh, all due respect to BC and even his three years in Montreal, mm-hmm. Nick Lewis is a stampeder. Nick Lewis yep. uh, is uh, red and white personified, and mm-hmm. uh, it is uh, only fitting that uh, he's back and will be repping the uh, the white horse again this sure. season. So uh, thanks to Sean with the uh, Calgary Stampeders yes. for helping us set that up. Really appreciate the time. From Nick, that's all the time we have on the show today. A quick reminder, you can get any of our uh, shows on podcasts, Google, Amazon, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, or you can head to the website at sportsnet.ca slash 960. Our guest list today included a look around the NHL with ESPN's Greg Wyshynski. We had Peter Labardius chatting Flames and World Junior Hockey Championships. And if you missed part of that great interview that we just had with Nick Lewis, uh, it'll be up in podcast form coming up in just moments. Matty Rose is back in this chair tomorrow. Uh, thank you to Garrett. Thank you to Alex. And thank you to you, Patrick Dumas, welcome. Uh, for having me around for a couple days, guys. Much appreciated. You guys do uh, tremendous work. As much as I like to bug you, Alex, uh, <laughs> you guys do uh, great work. And thanks for having me along in the mornings here. You know what? It was great to, to hang out, Logan. It was really nice to have you here. Uh, great to have you guys here. Thanks again for listening. Uh, don't miss it today. We've got the Jeff Merrick show coming up. Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian. And, of course, Flames Talk with the one and only Pat Steinberg a little bit later on talking all things Flames and Jets. That'll do it for the morning show. Have yourself a great morning and a great afternoon. We are back tomorrow. Big show returns tomorrow morning here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.